1 John chapter 2. We're going to continue in 1 John. We'll begin reading with verse 18. He said, Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. May we pray. Our gracious Father, may you bless the word, open up our heart, minds, and understanding to the scriptures and help us to rejoice in so great salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you read the word of God and study the word of God and as you see things developing in front of our eyes in the world condition, it makes you realize we need to take these things to heart. You know, the book of the writer of Hebrews said to take heed lest you let them slip. We need to hold on to the word of God in times like these. And he says, little children, it is the last time. Now that time can be translated last hour, last time. It is the last hour, referring to a particular period of time. Uh, one author says, the last days in the New Testament is that of a period of suffering and struggling preceding a divine victory before the coming of the Lord. You know, it speaks about going through tribulation. Paul said, through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom of God. So before his second coming, we may go through great tribulation ourselves, looking for his coming. And as we read down about the Antichrist, anti means against Christ, against Christ. There's Antichrist and there's those uh, who pretend, uh, the one is a pretender to be at the Masonic office. Whereas those who are Antichrist, the Antichrist and the Antichrist are those pretending to be Christ, but not pretending to be Christ, but pretending to do the work of Christ. And Jesus said, many false prophets shall come after me, saying, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, I am the Messiah. They are Antichrist. And as you think about the last days in Scripture, it's, it's, it's an important study. And if you can follow me a little bit, we're going to look at some of the verses dealing with the last days. Sometimes you read the scripture, it speaks about the last time. Does that mean the end of the world? Not necessarily. It can mean from the gospel dispensation in the, where Christ was born up to the end of the second coming. That's the last time, the last days in that particular time as we're going to see. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now, the faith there is referring to the doctrines of the church. The doctrine, the foundation, the pillar and ground of the church. What we believe, some are going to depart from that as we're going to see. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. You say, I didn't know that there was doctrines of devils. Yes, they have their teaching also. Paul's prophets are doctrines of devils. They're teaching doctrine contrary to Christ that makes them antichrist. So we see here, uh, 
in the latter times, it's called here, the latter times. And in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1, it's called the last days. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Perilous times shall come. Now, we're living in the last days, in the last time. The last time also is mentioned in Hebrews. It says, God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. You can see already when God spoke to us through Christ, it's called the last days. But that period covers from his incarnation all the way to the second coming. This is considered the last time, the last days. So as you're reading the scriptures, keep that in mind. That way you get a clearer picture of what they're saying. Peter says in 1 Peter 1.20, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Christ was manifested in the last times. In other words, from beginning of his incarnation until his second coming is considered the last time, the last day, the last hour. In Jude it says, in Jude 18, how they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. And it speaks again, Jude is speaking about that over in the book of Jude. That's a, uh, anyone who wants to preach through a book, that's a good book to go through also. I think Isaac's preaching on Jude in the book of Jude. Also, it speaks about the ends of the world. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Beloved, all these things are written for us in example. You read the Old Testament. What's the profit of reading the Old Testament? Because we see examples how God hates sin. We see examples how God can deliver us, how he delivered Israel so many times, how he delivered Joseph. That's a great, great, the life of Joseph is a great illustration of the sovereignty of God, how God has control of everything in Joseph's life. Jacob said, his father said, it's all, all things are against me. But he didn't realize all things was working together for his good. Because God was preserving Joseph, Joseph was preserving food, and helped feed Israel not to perish from the earth. See, God had all things under control. In the end of the world, it speaks about in Hebrews 9, 26, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of of himself. I just want you to understand and see that the end of the world is, is, is a period of time from his incarnation till his second coming. That's all considered the last days, the last hour, the last times. We're living in the last times. We are right now. How much more since 2,000 years ago approximately? We're getting closer. The last days and the, and the last day. And I had a note here. It appears from the context to designate the whole gospel period it is the last stage of the world's religious history. We're seeing it unfold in our time. What a blessing to see these things unfold. Now, I want to give you a, a couple of various views on some of these things. It speaks about in uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. And then he says in verse 2 of 1 Thessalonians 5, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And then Peter speaks of the, another day. 
looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements melt with a fervent heat. Now there's different views when the day, when the day of, of the Lord. Now the pre-trib, that's those who believe in a pre-trib rapture. Here's what they teach. The day of the Lord begins with the rapture, that's the secret rapture, and includes the seven-year tribulation, and includes the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. And then the day of the Lord begins at that point, at the, at the rapture. And it ends at the end of the millennium. That's the three trib view. Now we look at the... Uh, post-trib view and it uh, the day of the Lord begins with the second coming in the words we don't believe in no secret rapture we believe in the second comings when the day of the Lord begins and it includes the thousand year reign at the end of the thousand year reign begins the day of God that's when there's new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness now the simple view I call it the simplest view is the amillennial view like Roger here the the day of the Lord begins with Christ being cut off at the cross and ends at the second coming. The day of God begins at the second coming. So everything, the resurrection, the second coming of Christ, the judgments, everything takes place at the same time according to our millennial view. And I just wanted to bring that out so you can see uh, some of these things about the, the day of the Lord and the day of God. Remember the day of the Lord begins at the second coming of Christ. And the day of God begins at the end. If you're millennials, it ends at the end of the millennium. And if not, it ends at the second coming. Everything happens at the second coming. Now, you can take your choice which one you want to go down the road. I'll leave that up to you to study the Word of God. We see the word Antichrist, like I mentioned earlier. And, beloved, we're living in a day of Antichrist. It's amazing if all the false doctrine and false teaching that's going on today, even among primitive Baptists, I hate to say that, but there's a lot of false teaching going on. We'll be getting into some of those things. Some people say, well, you shouldn't mention names. Now, I don't deliberately mention names just to be picking on anyone. If I say something against the Roman Catholic Church, it's because it needs to be said. They are a false doctrine they teach heresy they do not teach the truth and we we shouldn't be ashamed to say that because they are a false church now people are being taught that you can go to heaven by works and we know that that's a false teaching in any church, whether it be a Roman Catholic, whether it be a primitive Baptist, whether it be anybody, if they teach a work salvation, we should speak against it. Not in a mean, uh, sarcastic attitude, but just letting people know the truth. Jesus said, you should know the truth, and the truth should set you free. And I have scripture for that. Pete, the Apostle Peter was one of the main apostles. And the Apostle Paul rebuked Peter openly. Because he was making a division among the Jews and the Gentiles there. Caused, caused confusion. And we have among us people that are teaching things they shouldn't be teaching. We'll be getting to that as I go on. But the Antichrist. Everything that we say, we should say in love. 
But at the same time, we must contend for the faith. That verse in, in Jude is a, is a strong verse. I'm just going to read it. I got it on, on farther down, but I want to read it now just to show you the importance of it. In Jude, verse 3, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. He said, I was putting all of my diligence into this to write unto you of the common salvation. He was going to explain the salvation of the grace of God in Christ Jesus, the glorious gospel. But he goes on to say, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you to what? That you should earnestly, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. In other words, he's saying there, listen, I'm exhorting you to go back to the apostles and contend for the faith that they contended for. The foundational truths of, the, of God's salvation. We'll get into that as we go on. But we need to be earnestly contending for the faith. There's the time we preach free grace. There's the time we preach salvation by grace. The glorious gospel of Christ. And there's times we have to defend the grace and the doctrines which we preach. Against the doctrinal error that's going around. He says in verse 18. Little children. It is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come. And even now there are many Antichrists. Whereby we know that it is the last time. Even in John's day. There was Antichrist already. And in verse chapter 2, verse 22, he says, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? Anyone that denies that Jesus is the Messiah, he is Antichrist. That denieth the Father and the Son. You can't have the Father if there's no Son, and if there's no Son, there's no Father. This is very important foundational doctrine to what we believe. And he says in chapter 4, verse 3, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Now, if anyone teaches that Christ has not come in the flesh, you can mark it down. The scripture says they are not of God. And that, that spirit of Antichrist, whereby he have heard that it should come and now already is in the world. Remember in our earlier teaching, we taught some of the... Uh, Teaching back then, Genesisism taught that Christ was only a phantom. He seemed to be a man, but he wasn't. Kind of like a ghost. He just appeared to be there, but he had no real, no real human body. See, they denied, they attacked his virgin birth. They was attacking his deity. They was attacking his manhood. And that was the first thing they attacked even back in the time, days of John the Apostle. And remember that the, the Antichrist is pretending to the Masonic office and Antichrist are those who are against Christ pretending to do what Christ did. And we have to realize that the danger that lies there. In quoting these verses again, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Those Antichrists was not really of the same family of God as they were they wasn't born of the spirit they wasn't born again they had the fleshly knowledge they had intellectual knowledge but they didn't have the spirit of God in them 
For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Note, these false teachers, Antichrist, went out from true believers in the sense they departed doctrinally from the position of the Word of God. As to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the first mark of an Antichrist, they depart from the Word of God. They deny the Word of God. God says Jesus is the Word. He's the God manifest in the flesh. They deny that. They deny that. They were not of us, he goes on to say, not of the truth concerning the Father and the Son, so they departed out of the local assembly. They left. They left. And it's good when all those who creep into the church unawares, Jude speaks about that, that they do depart. Because, you know, truth and error can't go together. When you get a false prophet in the church, they'll soon depart because they can't take the truth. And that's why it's so important that we preach the truth. Today, what do we hear? They preach a false gospel. They're preaching another gospel. They're preaching another Jesus. They're preaching a Jesus that's begging people to be saved. He's, he's pleading with them, but he has no power. He cannot save anyone. It's all up to their free will. Beloved, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. We serve a Jesus that has power to save, has saved, is saving, and will save throughout eternity. Amen. Hallelujah, Brother Dave. Amen. Amen. Unsound doctrine. They're teaching unsound doctrine today. And doctrines of devils. Yes, doctrines of devils. Anything that's not the doctrines of God has to be from what source? From the devil. He's a liar from the beginning. So we must take heed, beloved. And that's why I'm saying it's important to what church you go to. Now, again, I'm not here to pick on churches, but I'm here to tell you it's important that you hear the truth, the word of God. If you go and hear a false prophet, a false church teaching a false gospel... Beloved, it will influence you and drag you down and you won't be built up in the faith. Jesus says you shall know the truth and truth to set you free, not a lie sets you free. So it's important what you believe. People say always serve the same God. No, we don't. Some people are teaching the false God. They're teaching another God, a God that a God that's in is setting back and doing nothing, a God that cannot do anything, a God that's just waiting to see what you're going to do. That's not the God of the Bible. The Word of God says in Romans eight twenty eight, for all things work together for good to them that love God, for them who are called according to his purpose, for all things are working together for our good. Who's doing that? God the Father. That's talking about God the Father. He's working all things in this world, even this government that we have in right now. All this, all this, uh, these viruses. Who has all this under His control? Do you think this virus caught God by uh, uh, unaware? <laughs> no. God has the design and the purpose for everything He permits to come into this world. He can use it for good. Now, we don't understand how he does all that, but God can take evil and turn it out and make it good, like in jo- Joseph's life. They tried to kill Joseph. They threw him in, a, in, in the pit, and uh, the, the, uh, he was going to be, uh, uh, he's threw in prison, but all, through all of that, God turned around and put him on the throne next to Pharaoh. Amen. See how God works? But if you'd have looked at it from a human standpoint, you'd have said, Poor Joseph. God must not like Joseph at all. Look what it, he's in prison. He's here. They try to kill him. His dad's weeping over him. He thinks he's dead. All's against Joseph. Joseph he, God must have left Joseph. But all that time, 
God was working behind the scene. So in your life and in my life sometimes, when it looks dark, you know, Isaiah said, what time I walk in darkness, I'll trust in thee. Never give up your faith in Christ. Didn't say we would understand all things that come our way. But we can trust God for everything that comes our way. And there's a difference. We have to leave some things to the sovereignty of God, to the providence of God. Okay, we'll go on now with this. We have today, even in our churches, false teachers who are denying the resurrection of the body in the future. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.18, who's concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrew the faith of some. False teachers deny the second coming of Christ is the blessed hope because they teach it happened in 70 AD, no second coming, no resurrection. This is departing from the faith. And I say that without question. They are teaching the doctrines of devils. They're teaching seducing spirits. They're teaching false doctrine when they deny the bodily resurrection of the saints and the second coming of Jesus Christ, brother. I call them antichrist. And I think churches of, our churches of primitive Baptist order should never have a member in their church, especially an elder, who teaches that doctrine and allow them to go to other churches and teach that heresy. Shame on us if we do. And that's happening right among our churches. Some of us know who I'm talking about. False teachers. Also denying the eternal sonship of the Son of God in his deity. John 10, 36 says, Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, Thou blasphemest because I said, I am the Son of God. Jesus himself said, I am the Son of God in his deity. Now there are some say they believe in the Son of God, but not in his deity only in his humanity. In other words, when he was born in the flesh, he's the son of God. I believe in the eternal son of God in his deity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, that in John calls him God the Father, and then the Word, and then the Spirit. It was the Word that was made flesh, and that Word was who? That Word was the, son, the eternal son of God. And that's whom we worship. And those who deny his eternal sonship as far as I'm concerned, are, should be labeled antichrist. They are against the teachings of the word of God. They're against the teachings of Christ. Christ says, I am the son of God. They say, no, he's not. False teachers deny that Christ came in the flesh, like I mentioned earlier, or was born in the Virgin Mary. He only had the appearance of flesh. The, one of the first things we see they attack they attack the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. They don't believe in the virgin birth. There's a teaching going around today that Jesus' flesh was eternal. That he's eternal flesh and he had an eternal soul in heaven before he came to the earth. And that he just passed through Mary's body and was not really conceived in her. That's false teaching. The word of God said that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Ghost. And I don't think God was trying to deceive us and trick us into believing something else. He was conceived in the Virgin Mary's womb just like we were conceived in our mother. And born just like we were. He had a real human flesh. 
He could suffer on the cross. He could feel the pain of those thorns and the nails through his hands, the spikes. He could feel the pure side. He could feel suffering. He needed rest when he was physically tired. So we see he had a real human body. And those in John, in, in, in Gnosticism in John was denying he had a body. And we have those today who are saying that. Oh, beloved, so, there's so many things. We need, we need to lay hold of the Word of God and stay close to the Scriptures. In verse 20 it says, But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. It says in John 16, 13, How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. And He shall not speak of Himself, for whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. Now that verse, I believe, was talking to the apostles in a special way. With what they wrote, they were under inspiration. But at the same time, I believe it shows that the Holy Spirit can teach us the things of God. Not by, not by inspiring us, because the Word of God's already inspired. By revealing the inspired Word of God to us. It says in uh, Ephesians 1.13... In whom after you trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now I believe that can have a couple of different applications. One of them I believe is the assurance of our salvation. We're sealed with the assurance of our salvation. His Spirit bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God, sons of God. We have that witness within. We know from within that witness God gives us that we are the children of God. What a blessing that is. What a blessing that is. The knowing is the result of seeing with the spiritual eye opened by the Holy Spirit. We have a spiritual eye if we've been born again. In 1 Corinthians 2.14 it says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to discern the Word of God, spiritual things. The natural man cannot. People are pleading for people to make decisions for Christ, believe in Christ, understand the gospel. They can't understand the gospel unless they've been born again. Unless their eyes have been opened, they can't see their need of Jesus Christ. Unless they've been made to see myself like the publican, God have mercy on me, a sinner. They have to see themselves a sinner. That comes by the Holy Spirit working in the inner man, giving them life to see, eyes to see. Is that one man said in the gospel, once I was blind, but now I see. That's true of every child of God. Once we were blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. It says in 1 Corinthians uh, 10, uh, 2.10, but God had revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. How do we know the things of God? By the Spirit that He has given unto us, the deep things of God. We know them. In verse 12 it says, Now we have received the Spirit of the world, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. God wants us to know the things He's given us. And Jesus said, If any man would do my will, he should know the doctrine, whether it be of God. If you practice the, do the will of God, you'll know the truth of God. That's one of the things God lays down. 
to us. So we need spiritual enlightenment. We need God to open up our hearts, open up our minds. And this comes by reading the scriptures. Brother Dave and Brother Roger both emphasize, and I emphasize, read the scriptures daily that you may grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. And as you read the scriptures, pray for the Holy Spirit to open up your understanding of the scriptures. You know, Paul said we're not sufficient even to think a thought by ourselves. If you're not sufficient to even think a spiritual thought, how can you understand the scriptures without the Spirit's help? You cannot. You cannot. Again, this verse contending for the faith. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints and to the elders of the church of my Zion and to other elders that are in in preaching the word of God. We need to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints. We need to be faithful. Jesus taught in, in, in Matthew 28, 20, that they should teach others, disciple others, teach others, and then baptizing them, teaching them whatsoever I have commanded you. So the apostles are following Christ in his teaching. We're to follow the apostles in their teaching. And the Holy Spirit makes those things real to us that we can preach it to the church of the living God, preach it to God's people, that we all may grow in grace and knowledge of Christ unto a perfect man. A mature Christian. And it's important that we realize it's today especially that we contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. Beloved, so many are departing from the true faith. It speaks about continuing in the faith. Acts 14.22 They went back to the saints and it says they were confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. We have people, even in our church, we need to exhort to continue in the faith. To continue. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. Jesus said, you're either with me or against me. There is no middle ground. If we're not continuing, we're going against Christ. If we're continuing, we're going for Christ. Remember, Jesus said, you're either with me or against me. There's no middle ground. There's no neutral. You know, the Bible says in, in the book of 1 John that there's going to be some in his comings who are going to be ashamed at his appearing for the day. They're going to be ashamed. Why? Because they're not living for the Lord. Whether that be me or you or anyone, if we're not living for Christ when he comes in his second coming, we're going to feel ashamed. I want to hear him saying to me, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And another thing, if we're not continuing on, we don't have the joy of our salvation. We lose the joy of our salvation. And we leave the assurance of our salvation. Satan will say, well, if you was a child of God, you wouldn't be living like that. See, Satan uses every opportunity to discourage the child of God. That's why the book of Hebrew warns us, if we see someone sin, we warn them now, don't wait a week, don't wait a month, Want them now because every day the heart hardens. You miss one week going to church, the next week's a little easier. You miss another one, it's a little easier. Miss another one, it's a little easier. That's why we have to guard one another, pray one for another. So continue in the faith. 
And as you continue in the faith, you will be established in the faith. Acts 16, 5 says, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. They were established. What were they established in? In the doctrines of the apostles and of Jesus Christ. They were established in the word of God. This is why it's so important for you. If you don't have a family altar, not have one with your children. If it's not but 15 minutes or five minutes, have a little time to get together. Read something for about two minutes, especially with young children like Matt's got. Just a few minutes and have prayer. But be faithful at doing that. And you'd be surprised God can speak to their hearts even when they're young. And it's something we all need to do. Husband and wives, if you're by yourself, your children are grown, you meet together in the evening, have study and meditate and pray and do that every evening together. It'll help bond your marriage and make you a stronger in the Lord. It's needful, very needful. And if you don't have a mate, you can, you can, uh, uh, you know, the Lord says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, so we get along with the Lord. I wake up in the morning, I say, good morning, Father, good morning, Son, good morning, Holy Spirit. But mother's not there anymore, so I commune with the Lord, and I pray to Him. But beloved, God is reality. He's there whether we sense Him or not. He's here. For the days reading the book of Revelation, those chapters, He walks in the midst of His churches. Jesus is here in our midst, in His Spirit, by His Spirit, whether we see Him or not, with His physical eye. Now Paul says, in Colossians 2, 7, thinking about being established in the faith, rooted and built up in Him. Who? In Christ. And established in the faith. That's in the teachings of God's Word. As you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We should be grateful for the truth we've heard at Mount Zion. And of all the godly ministers and uh, those who have been filled with the Spirit, Brother Zach Guest, Brother Jimmy Barber, Brother Ray Harvard, and many others who have come and preached to us the unsearchable riches of Christ. We should be rejoicing in that. We've had many God men, uh, God, God servants preach from this pulpit. Many of them. And some I haven't mentioned all of them. We've had many come and preach. What's the purpose of having a special meeting that we might be established in the faith? of the saints of God and rejoice in so great salvation. You know, Paul gave Timothy the exhortation in 2 Timothy 2.15. He says, study to show thyself approved unto God. That is the elder's responsibility. To give diligence, to study, to show thyself approved unto God. A workman, we're called workmen. We're working in God's vineyard that needeth not to be ashamed. If we're not studying to show ourselves approved unto God, we will be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That is our responsibility, to rightly divide the word of truth. What a responsibility that is. And as you rightly divide the word of truth, what's the purpose of that? That we might speak sound doctrine. Titus 2.1 says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Some people say, oh, I don't want to hear doctrine. I just want to hear about Jesus. There is no talking about Jesus without doctrine. What are you going to talk about? His incarnation? That's doctrine. His birth? That's doctrine. His deity? That's doctrine. His humanity? That's doctrine. His teaching? He he taught doctrine. Everything that we think about is doctrine. It's important. 
Doctrine simply means teaching. Now here's the warning Paul gave Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 3, and I give each one of you the same warning, including myself. For the time will come, now I believe it has arrived, when they will not endure sound doctrine. We're living in an age that doesn't want to hear sound doctrine. They want to have their ears tickled with itching, hear things that just satisfy the flesh. They don't want the sound doctrine of the word of God. But after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They don't get down to godliness and living a holy life. They just want to just smooth it, make it smooth, make it sound good. Preach healing, preach, preach on uh, uh, the love of God, but never preach on hell, never preach on damnation. Never preach on sin. Never preach on these things like some of these TV evangelists. They never talk about sin. Never. Will not endure sound doctrine. If you love the doctrines of the word of God, you've been blessed. You've been blessed. There's another warning. Now, remember Paul says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And we're living in that age. Here's another verse is exhortation to us. Ephesians 4.14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. We should be mature enough to know the difference between sound doctrine and false doctrine, Brother Date. If we come to church faithfully, hear the word of God faithfully, read the word of God faithfully, study the things of God faithfully, truth will show error. Truth will show error. You take something that's very white, a sheet, and you get dirt on it. It's easy to see that dirt, isn't it? If you know the truth, you'll, know, you'll recognize error when you hear it and, and false doctrine. That's why it's so important to be grounded in the things of God, in the Word of God. He said, By the slight of men... And cunning craftness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. There's people just wanting to deceive people, to get people to follow them. This is a good verse in 3 John, verse 4. It's only one chapter. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And there's no greater joy than Brother Dave, Brother Roger, and me to know that Mount Zion is walking in truth. Walking in the ways of God. Walking in the doc doctrines delivered unto the saints. Contending earnestly for the faith which once delivered us. It says in Acts 2.42. In the doctrines of Christ and the apostles. Acts 2.42 says. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. And fellowship. And breaking of bread. And in prayers. The apostles' doctrine is the foundation of the early church and Christ taught them in his ministry and they carried on his ministry and then Christ revealed, revealed things to Paul and revealed things to John to complete the revelation. What Brother David's reading in Revelation was delivered to John personally. What Paul taught, some of the things Paul taught, he was taught for three years by the Lord himself personally. He delivered to us. Even Peter, Peter says, you know, Paul wrote some things that's kind of hard to understand. I said about Peter, you wrote some things too, Peter, kind of hard to understand, <laughs> you know. But we, we got the Spirit of God to teach us these things. 
And that's why he went on to say in Jude, verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly, earnestly, be in earnest about this, contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I'm going to mention a couple of things in closing among the primitive Baptists that are being taught today. One of them is conditional time salvation. This is a false doctrine. It's a false teaching. I call it Satan's masterpiece. What do they teach? They teach that a person, once he's born again, he has no need of God after that to live a Christian life. That he lives a Christian life himself. He can believe in Christ or not believe in Christ by his own free will. He can walk in the Spirit or not walk in the Spirit according to his own free will. In other words, because he's born again, he doesn't really need God. He, just, he has the new nature and that's all he needs. Beloved, that's a false teaching. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. And I believe Jesus knew what he was talking about. Another teaching on the other side of the fence is absolutism to the point they say God is the author of sin. I believe in absolute predestination, but I do not believe that God is the author of sin. But there's some today teaching that God is the author of our sins. That's also heresy as far as I'm concerned. James said, if any man tempted, don't, let him, don't say he is tempted of God, because God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. That's inducing to sin. He tests us in our walk, but he does not tempt us to sin. So, beloved, there's a couple of things even among us we have to be aware of. And another one of the false teachings going among us is preterists, whose teaching in 70 A.D. the Lord came, and there is no second coming, there's no resurrection, there's no nothing to look forward to. You know, Paul says, looking... For that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great and God and Savior Jesus Christ. They say that's gone already. We don't have that. We don't have anything to look forward to except death. Boy, they have a very sad outlook, don't they? But I believe, Paul, I'm looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in closing, I just wrote a few things that we could deal with this morning, but I'm just going to mention a few of these. The Trinity. There's a great cry against the Trinity today. People hate the Trinity. The virgin birth, like I say, Brother Herb Hatfield's wrote a good pamphlet on the virgin birth. His deity, people are denying his deity, his humanity, his sonship, they deny his eternal sonship. The everlasting covenant, there's people today don't believe in the everlasting covenant, especially the Arminians. His teaching, everything that he taught, those people question why Christ taught. His miracles, they deny that he raised anybody from the dead. They deny his miracles. Well, they just appeared to be miracles, but they really wasn't miracles. They deny his church was started by him, the assembly. They deny the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit is just an influence, not a person. They deny that Christ created all things. He's the creator. They deny his bodily resurrection. They deny his ascension, and they denying his return. And all of these are fundamental doctrines of the apostles and of teaching of Christ. Beloved, we need to earnestly contend for these things as ministers. I pray that God will bless few of these truths to your heart. Uh, I just wanted to bring some of these things out to show you we are living in a desperate age. We're living a time of falling away. And we need to warn our children and our loved ones that the redemption is drawing nigh. Redemption is drawing nigh. Jesus said, when you see these things, look up. Your redemption is drawing nigh. 
And he said in, in, in one of the, uh, I think Paul said, that that day shall not catch us unawares as a thief in the night. We'll know it. There will be things. God will reveal his coming to us as he gets near. I believe there will be things that can be manifest to us as God people. Uh, and let's be looking forward to his coming and rejoice, rejoice that we are children of God. May we pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, may you bless these truths to our heart. May we rejoice in so great salvation and give us the faith and the grace and the strength to stand up for what we believe, not be ashamed, and that we may boldly proclaim the word of God without fear of man. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do pray and give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Someone have a song in closing.